Welcome to the She Lives Fearless podcast. My name is Dina Delisa Gonzer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Holly Newton. Hello, hello. And hello, hello. And this week we are talking with Sierra Lane Myers, who's both an author and an award-winning business owner. She has a family business. It's a counseling center in Texas, and she has written a new book called Glasses Off, Seeking God When Your Vision Is Gone. And it has just been released into the world this past summer. And we are so, so honored to have Sierra with us today to share her personal journey and how she found God's calling on her life. Welcome, welcome, Sierra. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, we love it. And before we jump into the book, I have to admit, I was stalking you a little bit online because that's what, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? For sure. (laughs) And I noticed on your Instagram, and I mean, I became wildly jealous. Do you have some interior design prowess or um, tendencies in you? Because I see lots of pictures of beautiful spaces and I'm like, is that her home? Is that what inspires her? Like just beautiful, beautiful aesthetics and setups. So I had to know, do you have a hidden talent of interior design or not so hidden, should I say? (laughs) Oh, I wish. I think yeah. that is so inspiring and amazing. But no, actually, my 10-year-old would probably be better at interior design. She she does her little dollhouse and her Build-A-Bear oh, really? American Girl stuff. And she makes all this stuff for their rooms. And I'm like, you go, girl. But no, the Instagram is just, I just use it for fun. It's what inspires me. And yeah. I like to keep it refreshing. And Oh, I love that. So you're on the American Girl train, too. <laughs> yeah we have all the things oh my goodness and how many children do do you have I have two human children and one dog sitting right there behind me I have a four-year-old and a (laughs) ten-year-old and you guys are hanging out in Texas right we are we're in prosper love it okay so I mean glasses off is your first book correct is that right yes Okay. And what inspired you to start writing in this capacity? So the title of the book was the inspiration, which is usually kind of backwards, I feel like. But for me, um, let me just, okay. Do you want to hear the story? You want me to give you some context? Oh, go, go for it. We love context. We love stories. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's kind of a, it's a funny one. So I was creating content for brands and for my blog and then running our little family counseling practice in the area and part-time at home with my children. And I just felt like God was telling me to stop all the digital stuff. And I just kept kind of feeling that impression, but I ignored it for probably like a year because you guys know if you stop, it's kind of over, you know, the momentum. If you're not consistent, it can just dissolve. And so I just tried to stuff that down. Um, but then it just kept getting louder and louder. So then I eventually obeyed and I stopped the digital stuff. I stopped posting. I, my audience was no longer there. Agencies no longer was more paying for things. And so I felt, I thought I would feel at peace, but I just felt so much tension and kind of frustration, like 
Lord, you have me doing this work and it's good work and it's for you. And to be honest, it just now started making a substantial amount of money for myself. And so I was excited and it gave, it gave me the ability to be creative, which I like to be. And so I was just kind of like angry praying at God (laughs) and he interrupted me with that book title. And it was a little different. It was the working title, but it was glasses off how to see God when your vision is blurred. Mm. And I was not a writer or I was like a secret writer, but I wasn't an author at the time. So when I heard that book title inaudibly, I thought he wanted me to buy it off Amazon. So (laughs) I went to Amazon and typed it in and all these books came up about optometry. And I thought, Oh no, the Lord is going to blur my vision. I'm going to go blind. (laughs) I I took it literally. So I get that. So then I started researching all the stuff about physical eyesight. And then God was like, no, sweet child. (laughs) I I just need you to write a book with that title. So Fast forward a year, I was in a writing competition and they asked us to um, summarize the book with one word. And I asked my husband, I said, hey, babe, what do you think my word is of this book? Because he had read most of the writing. And he said, it's all about vision. Oh, that was the aha moment. Then I was like, okay, God wants me to talk about spiritual blindness and having vision. So then I scrapped like 24,000 words and started over and wrote the book I really needed to read because he was calling me to this brand new industry. I have no English degree. I have no connections in the industry. I have, I was really just going on faith and I felt kind of wild and silly and childish, you know? And so it's, it was a very, um, meta type of writing, which was, was great. And now I'm on the other side, but that's what inspired it. That's such a great story, Sierra. Um, gosh, I'm just curious, like, how did you overcome the tensions that you were facing? And obviously you had apprehensions about stepping into this. Um, how did you overcome the doubts? It was a daily daily struggle. I, it kept me so close to God because I really had to trust him. And it it wasn't like people around me could give me that validation because I could ask my husband or I could ask my best friends or my parents there at the end of the day, that vision is not for them. It's for me. And they have totally different things for them. And so I had to make that decision every day. And I also think you know, it's at the end of the day, it's writing. Like it's not, I'm not performing brain surgery on someone. (laughs) (laughs) No one is going to fall over dead, you know, if they read my book and don't like my writing or whatever. So (laughs) I think that although one would tend to think that while they're writing, I do, I do feel that way while I write. It feels like life or death, but it feels waiting. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can identify with with what you're saying, Sierra, in, in their own lives. And so what what would you say to someone um, on how to tap into the vision and understand their specific unique calling that God has given them? 
For me, God gave me a triangle, just a very simple illustration, um, because I'm like, Lord, I need you to make it so obvious because it's hard. Discerning his will is hard. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, and I just read this morning in first Thessalonians five, um, that it said God's will is for us to rejoice, always pray continuously and give thanks in all circumstances. But then we also have these very specific, um, callings and visions too. And so for me, he just gave me this little triangle and it's kind of hard to describe on a podcast, but if you buy the book, it's in chapter two. Um, So at the top is purpose. And then out of purpose, if you go down to the other point at the bottom of the triangle, it is calling. And then if you move through to the other point, it's vision. And purpose is in this example, Purpose being our day-to-day reason for being on earth, which for Christians, obviously, it's to love the Lord and share with others about him. So if that's our reason why we play the game, then calling is the space, the where on earth that we can live out our why, our purpose. So whether that's a classroom or a stage or a hospital or whatever it is for you. And then if you move through calling and go to vision, I kind of look at that as the playbook of how God wants to teach us to do the calling. So you have the why, the where, and the how. I love how you break it down for people because it can get so convoluted, the whole idea of purpose and calling. And there's so much in between the lines, I, I guess you could say. Um, I feel like, you know, there are certain times in our life where we feel like we've got it. Like this is our purpose. This is my calling. But then sometimes God interrupts that. And he's like, well, that was not really the full picture. That was just part of the picture to get you to where I really need you to go. And that can be really that can be really scary and really confusing. And I find in those in-between moments, like as you're drawing that one line to the next point, there's many opportunities for us to tap into other thoughts, veer off course, get discouraged. Um, how do you suggest that people keep on track as they're trying to go through forth with the journey of like, okay, I felt this in my heart. Like how you're also probably checking your spirit at the same time, um, trying to make sure you are walking forward in, um, in the right thing, hearing that we all argue. I feel like at some point in our Christian walk, like about hearing the right voice. Um, so what do you have in your toolbox, so to speak, um, that when you, I'm sure you have moments where along the way you're writing, you're doing, but those little questions, come up and threaten to knock you off your course? Is there a certain way you approach those, those questions that pop into your mind? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, uh, if you're trying to discern or for me, at least I can't speak for anyone else, but when I was trying to discern my ideas and my thoughts from God's actual promptings, I made a list And I just wrote the sense of urgency I felt next to each idea. So 
there's this little property I always drive by on our commute. And I always think I want to do a little lavender boutique there because I just think it would be useful. And I have all these ideas about what it would look like. And I have those kind of ideas all the time, but they don't really feel as urgent as this idea of writing a book for me or whatever it may be for your listeners. So I feel like if you write them down and they're like a 10, like a nine or a 10, and they have the ability to uh, showcase God's love to someone and someone can benefit from that idea. I don't, I think that you just go with it and God can move you if you're moving in it with pure motives. That's a really good. Yeah, that, that is really it. good. I think, gosh, discerning God's voice and, and knowing mm-hmm. the next right step is, is a, is a big deal, especially for those who are visionaries of, <laughs> you know, movements yeah. or um, businesses, um, authors, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, we all are. And, you know, we, we want to obey, but we've got to hear God's voice, right? And yeah. there's, there's a distinct difference between um, being a dreamer and a visionary. And you mm-hmm. talk about this in chapter five. Um, can you explain to our listeners what the difference is and how you approach that? Like, why is it important to make sure our dreams become tangible? Sure. So this, that whole chapter was inspired by a conversation I had with one of my best friends and we were just sitting on the back of her tailgate overlooking some water. Okay. This is not a country song. That is actually happening. But I love uh, that you're starting with tailgate because I'm from Texas too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it out loud. I'm like, uh, of course. But, um, and I was just crying to her and I was like, I feel so kind of crazy. And I have this dream, but I don't like, I'm too scared to do it. <laughs> and I feel silly and she just looked me dead in the eyes and said, you're, you're both, you're a dreamer and a doer. And I immediately wrote this whole chapter and was like, okay, what did she say? And I just felt like there's so many people who do, 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 and they never allow themselves to dream. And then there's so many people who dream and never really do. And I was like, how do I be both? And so I felt like that was the word visionary. And for me, I think Martin Luther King has a quote about it. I'm going to butcher it, but he says something like dreamers have their eyes closed and visionaries have their eyes opened. And so I thought, okay, so if God gives us a dream, then keeping it close to our heart and kind of hidden can be a selfish act. But if we move through the dreaming and we don't stop at the dreaming and we actually turn it into a manifestation of something immaterial, which is a vision, then it can help other people. So then it's, um, it's beneficial and it serves others, which I believe God wants us to do. And is that where the momentum formula comes in? You talk a lot about, um, you know, you're taught as you are now like moving forward, like dreamers are kind of eyes closed, maybe a little bit of sleep, but now let's open our eyes, tap into that vision. Um, but you know, sometimes we could feel a little bit stuck based on all of our fear and 
doubt, like our human, our human mind gets in the way. So can you give us a little bit of a peek into what the momentum formula is like? Sure. Yeah. So I had to create this for myself because I'm like, life is so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sure. I'm like, whatever God, usually whatever God is calling us to is also hard. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I have to have momentum somehow to keep going and going and going. And so I had to look up the scientific definition of momentum because, you know, it's been a while. Maybe you guys remember, but I didn't. Um, but it was... <laughs> I remember nothing from, yeah, none of that. I'll have to look at all those formulas, gravity. I know what it is. I know no, no formulas whatsoever. <laughs> so whenever I looked it up, it said momentum equals force plus strength plus speed. Whoa. So I thought, <laughs> okay, so how do I implement that in my life? So I came up with the force being the pressure that is present in a God-given vision, because there's always pressure and I can either let it break me or we can like sift with it. It doesn't have to be negative. I like that. The pressure doesn't have to be negative. Right. And then the, so force plus strength is lead. So, um, so the strength, Yeah. So the strength was Mm self-discipline. So I thought, okay, so if I don't have any natural abilities, I can build skills. I can be consistent and get good at something. And the more consistent you are normally, the more confident you become in that skill. So, and then the um, speed, I just came up with, okay, so even if you have all of the pressure and you're dealing with that well, and you have all these skills, the speed or God's timing, God's sovereignty is still a huge part of the equation. So we have to pray for his timing and all of that creates the ability to move forward. Yeah, that's really good. My mind. (laughs) I'm usually really bad with science and math, but I'm just like seeing all these equations in my mind right now, and I'm loving it. It's just a different way to to grasp things, a different way to um, to think of things. And for people who have more of that, maybe like a scientific equation, this plus that equals that. I feel like this would make them just click immediately, and maybe all like the theology and like the verses they're reading kind of all mishmashed together. But now it's like this plus this equals that boom. And I'm like, Oh, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Much more than my teachers made sense in school. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 100%. 100%. There will be no test at the end of this interview. (laughs) (laughs) So when you thought of the momentum, equation and all that clicked in your brain was it at a moment where you were feeling particularly stuck that inspired that or did you then the next time you felt kind of stuck in what you were doing did you apply that like what where would you say people should go if they're like all right I heard the call um I tried to get myself going but now I feel like I'm just pushing against the mud here um I think for me what you could do is So I wrote about in chapter 12, God woke me up one night in the middle of the night. Well, it was like four in the morning. And he just kept repeating this thing inaudibly. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's not about you. It's about providing value. 
And I needed to hear that because I'm like, what if I get in the way or what if I'm quirky and weird and nobody, you know, or what if people don't like what I'm saying? And he's like, get out of the way and let me take care of it. And that really gave me the permission to be like, okay, so it's not about me writing a book. That's not the amazing thing I'm doing. It's what's amazing is that someone somewhere in the world is going to read it and do something in their city. That's amazing. And then that's going to happen. And I just felt like that was much easier to buy into if it's not, how can I be more successful, but how can I just serve one person with a gift that God has given me? Um, That's a really good perspective, Sierra. Um, I like to say that, you know, we, we don't work for God. We work with God. And there's a Mm -hmm. difference because when we perceive our, you know, callings or our dreams or visions to be something that's on us to accomplish, I don't think that's the way he intended it. He calls us into partnership with him. And boy, isn't that freeing to know, hey, I can do this unique thing that God has put before me with confidence and assurance that I'm partnered with God. I'm not trying to build something on my own or Because everybody, you know, I mean, there's a million people out there and everybody's going to be in different camps. At some point, somebody's not going to like something we say, right? (laughs) But that's just the way it is. But we can be confident if we're walking in rhythm with God and moving forward with him. I love you keep saying moving forward and momentum because we talk about moving forward, you know, at Sheila's Fearless. So that's really good. And I'm just curious, um, in your book, you mentioned that you have a daily date with God. How critical is that to you and and the work that you're doing right now? It just helps me build that faith muscle. And it's different every day. It's not like, like, of course, I have my same couch and I have my same Bible and maybe the same highlighter. But sometimes it's just worship in the shower while I get ready. And I'm a terrible singer. (laughs) But Sometimes it's praying in the car or in the closet or, but as long as I just at some point in the day, it doesn't even have to be in the morning it, at any point in the day. If I have my DDG, which is like, I call my daily date with God, then I'm able to prioritize his voice over all the noise I love that DDJ. That's instead of like, what would Jesus do? We got to gotta get bracelets. Got to mark. Got to get some bracelets going on there. And uh, I just, I really appreciate your perspective, the way you present things. Um, I think it's really different and unique, and it's going to speak to a lot of people. And your book definitely speaks to the underdog. And what message as we wrap this up, uh, do you hope, readers will take away from your book as you were writing, what was that one thing on your heart that you're praying, God, please use this book in this way. I hope that the right reader finds it. Like you said, Holly, you know, we're not going to be for everyone. So I, I hope that I think I wrote the book for two types of people. The first one being someone who feels the tension or the call of a future calling, something that God is pulling them towards, but they can't quite figure out how to start that or how to follow through. And then I also think I wrote it just for the person who 
doesn't even feel special enough to look for a calling in the first place. Um, because I was both types of people for years and years. And I just kept having to dig into God's love and dig into the word and meeting him there every day. And eventually as I read the Bible to discover God's character rather than God's will, um, then he actually started giving me revelations, which was so ironic. Um, but yeah, I hope that it helps those types of people. If you're perfect and you've got all of your ducks in a row, probably not going to benefit from the book, but. <laughs> well, I think everybody um, is a potential reader. <laughs> yeah, I'm like me. me. I haven't met a perfect person yet. Yeah. I mean, I just scarred that in my little notebook here. I'm still one of those people who writes in notebooks. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to dig into God's character rather than his will, because I think personally, I'll be real honest here. I think I've harped on what's your will, what's your will, what's your will. Mm-hmm. And hearing you say that I had to dig into the character of God, find out like who I was in him, my worth, this and that, like that, that's what eventually led you to the will. So it's almost like get off that word <laughs> a little bit and, you know, into him. So I really... I really love that. So Sierra, can you tell everyone how they can stalk you just like I did <laughs> on the internet? How can we find you um, out there in the great world of the web? <laughs> you can drive to prosper. I live on this street. No, I'm kidding. So you can get the book on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, walmart.com, and Apple Books. And then you can follow me on social media at my pin name, Sierra Lane Myers. Awesome. And uh, this will be in the show notes as well for all those who are listening. Sierra, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited uh, to get this book. And um, also, we're doing a giveaway uh, for our listeners. So, listeners, thank you for joining us. Check out the show notes for how to participate in the giveaway and how to connect with Sierra. And we'll be back with you again next week. <laughs>